We would like to welcome you this morning to Mission Bible Fellowship as Pastor Stuart Guthrie brings a message from God's Word. We hope it challenges, encourages, and strengthens your walk with the Lord. Well, I want to welcome you this morning to Mission Bible Fellowship. We are delighted to have you and and glad you could come join and worship with us this morning. Um, I hope you had a a wonderful week and I hope that uh, it was a refreshing week, one that would... Uh, refresh your spirit and and some of you that that maybe needed some rest I hope you got some rest this week as well well let's get started this morning and go to the Lord in prayer Father we come today to bring honor and glory to you we come to to you humble and imperfect need of your mercy We ask, Lord, that you would change our hearts and make us to be just what you want us to be so that through that, Lord, that we can fulfill your great and wonderful purpose for our lives. Everything God is against us in drawing close to you, Lord. We are bombarded, Lord, every day with spiritual warfare. Daily. And many times, God, we as individuals hurt one another for the sake of furthering your kingdom. And God, I just ask that you help each one of us, Lord, remember that our battles are not against flesh and blood, not against each other, but against the rulers and powers, and against the world forces of this darkness, and against spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places, Lord. That's our battle. That's the battlefield that we should be on, Lord. So, Lord, if there's any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection, compassion, make our joy complete, God, by being of the same mind, of the same love, and the same Spirit, and help our intent to be of one purpose and help us Lord to do nothing out of selfish ambition or out of vain conceit but Lord help us in all things that we consider others better than ourselves and Father I just pray this morning that you fill me and empower with me the Holy Spirit that I might speak the truth of your word and that it might fall on good soil and that would uproot fruit of true proven faith. We ask this in the name of Christ. Amen. Well, I hope each one of you are doing well. Last week we uh, obviously looked at the resurrection of Jesus Christ being Easter Sunday. Uh, We looked at that resurrection from the dead and the promises that came along with that. And the week before that, we started, uh, or we continued through the book of 1 Peter. Uh, We looked at the first um, three to five verses. And and so we're going to look through that. We're going to continue through that study this week. And if you remember, I gave you an outline before we started of the the book of 1 Peter. And so um, we started out with the salutation. Um, And then we looked at at, at Peter's... A response to the Christian salvation. Okay? 
And then we looked at three points within that, that, that Peter's prayer of thanksgiving. And in verse 3 we looked at, if you remember, uh, Peter's prayer in thanksgiving for a living hope in Christ. And then we saw Peter's prayer in thanksgiving for our secure inheritance. And then we saw, lastly in verse 5, uh, his thanksgiving for protected salvation. And then this week I added a few more. Uh, Peter's praise of proven faith. And that's going to be verses 6 to 9. And so uh, we looked, uh, number one, at a, a proven faith through the rejoicing and trials of life. And we see that in verse 6. And in verse 7 we see a proven faith that comes through results. And then lastly, verses 8 and 9, we see a proven faith that comes through love. And, and, and really love of the things unseen. And we're going to look at those verses today. Uh, two weeks ago we looked at the first... Uh, or three weeks ago we looked at the salutation. And two weeks ago we looked at verses 3 to 5 and we saw, if you remember. And I'm going to reiterate some of this because it's very important for us to understand the rest of these verses in light of what happens in 3 and 5. And so it may seem kind of redundant, but it's very important that we know and understand just what happens here. And so we saw that, 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 that Paul, Peter was thankful. And so should we be for living hope in Christ Jesus. And we also saw that his insecure inheritance, that, that we should be thankful for that as we await that in the coming days. And lastly, the thing that we should be grateful for was our protected salvation. And it was protected through faith. Today we're going to move right on into the Peter's proven faith. And our faith is to be proven through what? The rejoicing and through our trials. Our faith is to be proven through the results of being tested. Our faith is to be proven through our love for the unseen. Now I hope all this will tie together for you and I hope it will give you a clear understanding of what's happening here in verses 6 to 9. And really I'm going to move right on into verse 12, but our main context is verses 6 to 9. So without delay, let us get started in that this morning. If you will, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1 and let us look at verses 6 to 9. If you don't have your Bible this morning, there are some slides for you. Let us read. In this... You greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, I have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen Him, you love Him. And though you do not see Him now, but you believe in Him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. That's our text this morning. Now here I can't help but jump right in and bring to remembrance what we spoke about two weeks ago. Verse 6 begins with this. In this you greatly rejoice. Okay, this what? Well, if it could refer back to God. It could refer back to Christ, which we talked about in verse 3. It, it could refer to the end times in which all things would take place that we see in verse 5. Or the third option would be that it, that it could refer to everything that happened in verses 3 to 5. 
And now I'm going to suggest this morning that it's the latter. It's everything mentioned in verses 3 to 5. That we should be rejoicing in our living hope in Christ. Our secure inheritance has been prepared before us. And for our protected salvation that comes through our faith in Jesus Christ. Now this is very important again to the rest of these verses. That you understand your living hope. Your secure inheritance. Your protected salvation. These things, folks, should bring us joy. Unspeakable joy. You should have a happiness within your souls that can't be moved because of these three things. And let me explain why. Because really, really, you can't determine your circumstances in life. You may have plans. You may have an outline of your life sketched out. You may have your whole future planned out before you. I'm going to work this long. I'm going to retire. I'm going to move to this community. I'm going to do this and that. Those things are not bad in themselves. But the reality is, is we're not promised any of those circumstances. None of those could possibly take place. The only three things, well, four that are promised. If you are not in Christ and in Christ these three things for those who are in Christ. And if you're not in Christ, then the reality is, is that we will all inherit those who are not in Christ an eternity separated from God. The place called hell or the lake of fire, whichever one you want to call it. But he says here in verse 6, In this you greatly rejoice. Even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. You, you greatly rejoice. You give thanks. You give praise. You be glad. You have joy. Because, listen, even if for a little while, it may be necessary that we have this temptation, this trial, this trouble... It's okay. You see, God doesn't promise us our best life now. We want our best life now. We want to have everything go according to plan. That's how we're made. That's how we're designed. That's our human nature. We want things to happen in an orderly fashion. We don't want things to go wrong. We want them to work per the plan. That's why when we build houses, that's why when we build job sites, we have a set of plans. But if you've ever done that, and I know many of you have, it don't ever work like it's supposed to. That's the same with our lives. In the Greek, these trials, these troubles that, that it's talking about, listen, are brought about by the divine. They're brought about by God, our Creator. And listen, some of them may be necessary. Well, that doesn't sound too fair. I know. Sometimes life isn't fair. But that's why you must not miss verse 3 and 5. That's why I've reiterated it again and again and again. Because it's so vital to understanding the rest of this passage. Because in this, these three things, you greatly rejoice. Jesus Christ is our living hope. 
through the resurrection of the dead. Because listen, when trials begin, and if you're not going through a trial, give it some time, and you will. And I promise you, folks, this, these three things will give you comfort and hope if you rely on them. Because when trials begin to bear down on you in your daily life, when things aren't going your way, when sin feels like it has its grip on your soul and on your life, the only thing you can do as a human is fall back on the forgiveness and grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. That's the only thing we have to fall on. And so if you're here this morning and you don't have a living hope, you don't have a secure inheritance, you don't have a protected salvation, you're out there in the ocean all alone with nothing to fall on. And it's a scary place to be. But for those that are in Christ Jesus, we have a great hope of encouragement. Christ was given a name above all names. And no other name in which people may be saved except for Jesus Christ. A name in which can break the bondage of your trials, your sin. And, and listen to this. Because I know you. And I know the trials you're going through. He can break the bondage of trials. He can break the bondage of sin. Or He can give you the strength to endure through your trials. He doesn't promise to remove us from our trials, but He gives us hope and encouragement to make it through our trials. That's our hope. You can be certain that for a little while you can suffer for the sake of Christ. Listen, you may suffer for a little while, your wife may suffer for a little while. Your family may suffer for a little while. Your children may suffer for a little while. But if necessary, to those that are in Christ, okay. We have to be okay with our trials. And I hope as we look at this passage, you will see that. You will understand that and you will begin to put your, your, your mind off of the earthly self and into the divineness of Christ and His goodness and the promises that He's given us. You remember we have a secure inheritance. And in light of our eternity, if we suffer for the sake of Christ, then so be it. You see, our lives are sometimes so earthly focused that we lose where we're at, our purpose. We're so earthly focused that we're not heavenly focused. We've been told that... We've been told that sometimes this is the way it would be. That we would endure sufferings. That we would go through trials. This is what Christ told us. So we can't expect any different than to go through trials and sufferings. But when we're heavenly focused, 
we remember these things. So that when we are going through a trial in life, we can put our hope in Jesus Christ and say, God, I don't know what you're doing, why you're doing what you're doing, but I'm going to put my hope and my trust in you. You know, we were eating lunch yesterday and we, and we talked about some of the things we want to ask God when we see them. And I said, well, when I stand before God, I can't really think of anything that would be so important to me that I would think I would want to ask God. And I said, but, but, it, but it really, if, if I could ask God, I would probably ask Him why He took my child from me before He was born. Not for the fact that I don't trust that God's good. It's just I would like to see how that unfolds. What, what is God doing? How, how is God working things in our lives? Well, we're going to see here. Do you remember in the first greeting, He says, Listen, you are strangers to this world. This is not your home. Your home is with Christ. And yes, if necessary, rejoice no matter your circumstance, no matter your trial. Because when God is working, He's doing something in you and through you for the glory of Himself. And we need to be willing to have joy because of our living hope, our secure inheritance, and our protected salvation. These things are what we're promised along with trials and sufferings for the sake of Christ, for the sake of Jesus. And Peter's telling these people, listen, even though you may be necessarily going through trials, you can rejoice. And Peter's not the only one that taught this because if you remember, they're living in a time where the church was persecuted. Christians were hated. They weren't liked. And so others taught this same mentality. If you haven't noticed in the country we live in, we are becoming an unchristian nation People every day are becoming Christ-haters. They hate God. They hate His message. They hate a crucified Jesus that rose from the dead because it puts them under the gun. But it really doesn't put them under the gun. They have a misunderstanding of what happened. He made a way sufficient that we could draw closer to Him. That we could be forgiven because He took our place on Calvary. That's what happened. You weren't condemned because Jesus rose from the dead. You were freed. More and more people are being persecuted for their faith right here in our own land, the home of the free. People are losing their jobs. People are being accused of stuff they really didn't do because of their faith. And they're looking at it as a physical battle. Listen, the battle is a spiritual battle. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the powers of this wickedness, darkness, in Satan. James tells us to consider it all joy, my brother, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. You want to know why you're in a trial this morning? Because God is trying to make you perfect and complete. That way you're not lacking nothing. Well, Stuart, how can we consider it all joy? I mean, really. It seems unrealistic, Pastor. 
how can we, God, consider it all joy in our circumstances? That's what we ask sometimes as believers and followers. What is it? How can I consider it joy, God? Look at my life. Look at my circumstances. My, my husband has to work away from home. I'm home alone. My finances are in shambles. My children are sick. How can I consider it all joy, God? Verses 3 and 5. Because we have a living hope. A secure inheritance and a protected salvation. That is of earthly focus. Or heavenly focus, not earthly focus. When we get down on ourselves, we become earthly focused. Instead of saying, God, I know you're a good God. I trust you. And though my life is in shambles right now, though I'm being tested, though I'm being tried, though I'm being tempted, God, I know you're doing something through it. And I'm going to sit back and I'm going to endure so that I can be made perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. That's why we consider it all joy, folks. Listen, you are from God, His children, and have overcome them. Why? Because greater is He who is in you than who is in the world. How can we endure trials? Because we've been crucified with Christ and no longer live, but it is Christ who lives in us. That's our hope. Why trials? Why does it take suffering to make us into what we need to be? What's the reason? Well, we see it in verse 7, it tells us. Verse 7 reads, So that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You know what? You want to know why? Some of us want to know why we're going through this trial. You want to know why we're being tested, tempted, why we're having to suffer. Look, gold, that's what the comparison is. Gold in the last stage is placed in the smeltering process. And at that point, the precious metal and the less precious metal are separated from the gold and you end up in most cases with 99.9% gold that's pure. That's pure gold. Cleansed and made that way so that it can be of best value. Gold can't purify itself. Someone must do that. Someone must take it through that process of purification. And though it's purified gold, it's still perishable. It can be destroyed, it can be taken away. And therefore it's of less value than our faith. This is what our faith looks like. It's tested, it's tried, it's placed in the smeltering process, and God begins to pull away the, the precious metals in our lives and the less precious metals in our lives so that the revelation of Jesus Christ, when we stand before Him, we will be 99.9% .9 pure. 
We can never accomplish perfection because we're sinful. But God is working in our lives. And we must be able to stand that smeltering process, the test of fire in our lives, so that when we are tested, we're made perfect and we're made complete, lacking in nothing. And when your faith goes through that process, when you live your life through that trial, and God begins to mold you and burn you and, and, and put you through the smeltering process, when He's done, your faith will be indestructible. Your faith will be irremovable. Look, this week, I was raking my yard. And as I raked my yard, this white thread was everywhere. I don't know where that came from, kids. Just saying. It's all over the yard. I'm raking, bang, bang. And, and, and I got this thread wrapped up in the stinking rake and undoing it and I'm raking and it keeps getting... And I just keep raking and raking and raking. And I'm so aggravated. Where is this stuff coming? It's wrapped around the pine tree. But really, isn't this what life is like? In our daily life, isn't this what life is like? When you go to work, this is, this is what it's like. You make a plan, you do it, and it don't work. Boy, that's aggravating. You dig a hole, you try to build a road, guess what? It doesn't work. You try to build a house, you, you, you get it all fabricated to the right measurements and you put it up there and it don't fit. You, get, you buy this metal for your roof, you put it on there, you screw it down, and next thing you know, it's popped up. Now you got to get back up there and screw it down again. This is life. Something is always there to test you. Something's always there to bring about frustrations in life. Challenges. People will even test you. But listen, it's all done for the purpose of making you better. Giving you a proof of a true proven faith. It's God distributed. You see, proven faith will bring about results at the revelation of Jesus Christ. They will bring about good works here in this life and on this earth. And the ability to endure these trials, these struggles. Don't misunderstand me. We have our genuine faith now. But at the, at the revelation of Jesus Christ, it will bring about three things. It will bring about a faith that will result in praise. It will bring about a result of glory. And your faith will result, thirdly, in honor. That's why we're being tried. That's why we're being tested. Because the reality is, is God has a lot of work to do in each one of us. And when we go through these trials and these struggles, listen, your faith in the Lord must experience Trouble in order to show whether what you have is true, genuine faith. Because the reality is, is when things get going and the tough gets going, first thing we want to do is get out of there. 
I just, I just want to get out of here. You know, I, I just want to get off this job site. This stinking roof is driving me crazy. I just want to stop raking the yard because there's yarn everywhere. This is, this is what we want. We want to remove ourselves. But when we go through those and we endure, and Christ has given us the ability to do that, and though it may be hard, we can't dissolve the reality that trials that people go through are stinking hard. But I know we worship a big God. A comforting God. A God who loves us and gives us promises. And His promise is that you have a secure inheritance, protected salvation, and a living hope. And when you look at those in light of eternity, nothing matters on this earth. Because our 30, 60, 80, 90 years are but a vapor in light of eternity. And if we suffer for the necessity for just a little while, then so be it. Because we have a God who cares for us and loves us. And listen, trials come in all different sizes and shapes and packages. My trials are not your trials. And your trials are not my trials. Your trials are designed and fitted just for you. And mine just for me. Because we have a sovereign God working within our lives to make us who He wants us to be. You must look at your trials and tribulations as a refining fire. That's making you into a person with a pure, genuine faith. A faith that will end with results. And then it talks about the day when Christ, at the revelation of Jesus Christ, you could translate it, the day when Jesus is revealed. Because I want you to understand, it's important to know that no one will reveal Jesus Christ. But Jesus Christ will reveal Himself. And though you have not seen Him, you love Him. And though you do not see Him now, you believe in Him. You greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible, full of glory. This passage preassumes that his readers have not seen Christ. Now, I can't speak on behalf of you, but I've never seen Christ. And therefore, Peter here is speaking to those who have never seen Christ, and therefore, he's speaking to me, and I'm preassuming he's spoken to you because I don't think you've seen Jesus either. He's speaking to us who love Him. Listen, you love Him is not a command. Okay? Love here is in the indicative. What's that mean? Well, that doesn't really matter. But what does matter is that it's better understood as a statement or a fact and not a command. That's what matters. And though you've not seen Him, you love Him. He's talking to people that already have love. It's in the present tense. It gives the idea that they already have this love. This is true proven faith that you love Him. How do we love God? What does Scripture tell us? How do we show God we love Him? Well, John tells us, if you love me, you will what? Keep my commandments. That's right. 
If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And so my question to you today is, do you have joy today? Do you have a joy in your life? That no matter your circumstances, something in you continues to have joy. Do you love Christ today? Do you keep His commands? I mean, when you worship, and you think of God, and what Christ has done, you're King Jesus. Are you overwhelmed with a joy that only can come through tears and emotions? Listen, I know everybody don't cry. That's, that's, that's fine. But as I listened to that special today, I just cried. Because we can change whatever. We can change people. We can change things. But the gospel remains the same. The message and the hope, the gospel of Jesus Christ. That God became a man and dwelt in the flesh. That He lived on this earth a perfect sinless life. And that He was hung on a cross to take our place. To forgive us of all of our sins. The breaking of the commandments of God. And He was crucified according to the Scriptures. And that He was buried in the grave. And three days later He rose up to prove He was who He claimed to be. And conquered death. That's the Gospel. That's the message that saves each one of us. When we put our trust and our faith in Jesus Christ and what He did in the Gospel message. It doesn't change. And that brings about a, an unexplainable joy in my life to know these three things have taken place. You see, it says here that because God is making our faith real, proving us to be who He wants us to be through these trials, He's going to protect our outcome of salvation, which is of our soul. That seems simple. But don't miss the great detail behind that. You see, the body may suffer. We may get old and crepid. But our soul is what's being saved. Oh, one day we will receive our glorified bodies, but our souls, our heavenly thought process. You may beat this body to pieces. But our faith, our hope, our secure inheritance, our protected salvation is of our souls. This is not something new. In verses 10, 11, and 12, we read of the prophets and how they, they, they spoke of this, this new man that was coming years later. They had no idea who they were talking about. Verse 10 te teaches us of these prophets and how, how they foretold of this grace that would come. They wanted to know more about this grace, about this Christ, this person. They searched and they inquired to look and find. Wanting to know more about when and who this was 
that the Spirit was revealing to them. But they understood that they were not serving themselves, but us. You see, the prophets foretold of this grace, this mercy, this Jesus that would be crucified, that would die, that would be buried and raised again on the third. This was told for our benefit. And now we have the book that gives us the outcome of what was foretold many years before it ever took place. These things they wrote, they foretold of the sufferings of Christ, they foretold of the grace of Jesus that was to come, but this was not for themselves to know, but for us. And for us to see God's unfolding work and plan through His Word. This message they foretold had now been announced for many years through the teaching and preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But they didn't preach it on their own. No, it was taught to you and to me through the power of the Holy Spirit that was sent from heaven. That's the message we get. It's a message that comes only from the Holy Spirit sent from heaven to the form of this book. The revelation of Jesus Christ through His spoken words to us. Do you hear that message? The hope of Jesus Christ, the promises of our inheritance, the protection of our salvation that comes through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look, it says that the angels look to long at such things. The angels want to even see what's going on here. They want to know about this. We've been given this glorious message, folks. This hope. And all of these things should be our source of joy. Because I know many of you are going through hell on earth. But the reality is, is this. You've been given a heavenly promise that outweighs the earthly promises that this world offers. And if you endure, you will be purified as much as gold, more valuable because your faith cannot be removed. It's irremovable. And so you endure for the purpose of Christ with the knowledge that you're being purified. I have a a song I want to play. And it's about five minutes. But I want you to listen to the words in this song. I thought about singing it, and then I thought, that's probably not a good idea. <laughs> and so I'm going to play it. But I want you to listen to the words in it. And the song is called The Anchor Holds. And it's a story about a, a ship and how it's being battered and beaten up. But there's this thing called an anchor. And our anchor is Jesus Christ. And no matter how bad the storm gets, no matter how bad and beaten up the boat gets, the anchor holds. Go ahead and play it.
the sails are torn. I have fallen on my knees as I face the raging seas. The anchor Like they were only grains of sand. The anchor the ship is The anchor
don't know about you, but that song encourages me that no matter what storm of life we're going through, that we have an anchor in Jesus Christ that will hold us, that will keep us. And even in the darkest times of our lives is when we see Christ the clearest. And so if you're going through a trial today, I, I plead with you to give it to God. I was told yesterday that there's no reason to lose sleep. Give it to God. He's up all night anyway. Some good advice there. We must live, learn to live and rejoice through our circumstances. For those that are in Christ, we have victory. The message is not a new one. It's one that was brought forth many, many years before it took place. Faith. Do you have a proven faith that will stand the test of trials in your life? And if you want to be as pure as refined gold, then you must accept them as divine gifts from God. Of work that He's doing in you and through you. Let us pray. Father God, give us strength to endure in our sufferings and our trials and our temptations. For God, I know there are many here today that are going through hard trials. And their trials are not my trials and my trials are not their trials, but I see their pain, I see their hurting, and I see their suffering, and I pray, God, that You will give them encouragement and the ability to endure as You hold them through the heavenly promises You've given us. Help us to focus on the work You are doing in us and to be willing to look for the revelation of Jesus Christ. So that when we do stand before You, God, that we can hear You say, Well done, and my good and faithful servant. I pray today, God, that if there's someone here that does not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that doesn't have the hope and the assurance of salvation, today can be the first day of the rest of their lives if they would simply cry out to You, Save even a sinner such as me. You've paid our debt that we couldn't afford to pay on Calvary when You said, It is finished. Paid in full. To Telestai. He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. And I pray today, God, that You would draw somebody to Yourself. That You would give them the hope You've given me so that in the midst of trials they can rely on You. We ask these things in Christ's name.